All right. Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. We are in week five of the study of the book Unleashed by Susan Rao, our very own. And this is a book about the importance of unleashing corporate prayer in the church. And for this hour, we're going to be focused on chapter five, which is titled The Reset, Lessons from the Seven Churches. So we're excited about going through this and hearing from Susan and then hearing your comments. So um, Susan, do you want to have someone open us up in prayer and then we'll do the worship song? You know, I, I'd love to hear from Joe. <laughs> South Africa. As long as we've got her, we're going <laughs> to get her. Yeah, good. Yes. If it suddenly goes off midway, it will be our electricity suddenly doing a load shedding. Yes. That's fine. <laughs> Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this group. I thank you for the connection of heart to heart, Lord, within this. And I just pray, Lord, that even as we learn more and more, especially through the seven churches of, of Revelation, Lord, that you would just speak into each of our hearts to help us to find solutions to the lack of corporate prayer within churches, Lord. And it is something that's really on our hearts, those of us who love prayer, is to actually gather more people to be able to pray. And yes, there are little groups and there are things, but um, Lord, I just pray that even as this group discusses today, that some of the solutions will come to the fore in different areas. And I just thank you for this opportunity to, to pray in your name, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Welcome, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tonight, I'm going to keep comments short because I want healthy discussions tonight. And we'll come back at about quarter two to hear from the various groups. But I just want to give this a heads up message. In 2013, we took about 40 people who responded to go to the seven churches to actually go on site. And so we've actually visited each of these areas. And the reason I chose New Jerusalem to play as a worship song tonight is that at every site we went to, we, we went there to, first of all, repent of the issues that needed repenting of and to call forth that which God wanted to redeem out of each one of the churches. And we built an altar there at every site. And at every site, guess what we saw? <laughs> it's unbelievable a bride and a groom. So we are in a time of preparation for the day of his return. And I believe that the, the seven churches, this message that was written by John while he was in isolation on Patmos is a message to the church, not only to us as individuals, but and the church at that time, they were actual churches, but it's a message to the church throughout the ages. And I, I made four points in the book about the seven literal churches that existed during that time. There are seven types of churches that can exist at any time in history. They can also represent seven types of churches which will exist in the end times. And it can also be seven types of individual believers. So there's messages for us individually 
and corporately by studying the seven churches. It's a message that I think gives a backbone for the fullness of the Gentile church that Jesus is calling us into. And it's interesting for each of the seven churches, there's two messages that are in every single church. One is he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. And the second message is to he who overcomes. So we're gonna wanna investigate both, of the, both sides of the coin here tonight as we go into discussions. Two of the five churches, there was no complaint. The persecuted church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia, the church of love. And there's messages for all of us in each one of the churches that I think God prepared for us to keep our hearts aligned with his will on earth as it is in heaven. And my goal is through all of this that we are doing with the Global Watch, particularly as we engage with end time issues, is to bring a reality of Jesus that expands my heart, expands my understanding of Jesus. There is nothing like the study of the end times that has ignited my heart in the past few years as a study of the end times. Why is that? And I believe it's because I'm seeing Jesus in a different light that I would not see if I did not understand the redemptive plan of God through the scriptures in, and the end times. It takes out all the terror, all the fear, all the uncertainty into the promises of God and into an everlasting loving Jesus. So my heart is that as we study this book, as we study the end times and we work on equipping ourselves, is that it will light revival fire in our hearts. So Father, as we go into this discussion tonight, I pray that revival fire would begin to be ignited in our hearts and that we would see gaps in our own hearts and gaps in how we can be inspired in how we can begin to fill those gaps as living stones and come alive in a new and fresh way tonight with the reality of Jesus amongst us in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have put on the chat and also on the signal group a brief outline of each of the seven churches and we will go off into breakout rooms. Let's, while Sue is doing that, let's hear from a couple of people as to what you felt was a highlight of the chapter, what particularly jumped out at you, or what have you been thinking about as you've been reading it? Let's just hear from two or three people. I'm not gonna call on anybody, just go ahead and unmute yourself and just say what's stirring up concerning this chapter. Remember, the righteous are as bold as a lion. So I'd like to make a comment. One of the, it was talking about the, for the Church of Philadelphia, one of the things that they really emphasized was that they did not allow others to take their crown. And I know I was experiencing something similar because I had some issues over at the college. And I could really see how you could get bitter, you could get angry, and how the, the love of others would grow cold. And that would be in one way of the devil taking your crown. And I, I thought that's something you have to be really intentional about. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Well, may the Lord show you how to be intentional with the school there. Yeah. It's a constant battle. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Somebody else have a comment. Something that jumped out. Philadelphia, we were very happy that God was happy with us, but we still have to work towards holding on to his word and to stand on the word, no matter what comes against us. Amen. You go over the three questions, please. We're almost ready. Okay. All right. So here are the three questions. And probably for each person, when you're answering the question, you want to answer all three of those questions for the church in your region. We're, we're going to try to specify that. Question number one is, what's the spirit saying to the church in your region? And which second question, we very relate closely related to that. Which of the seven churches is the church in your region most like? The seven churches that we, the churches of Revelation. And then the third question is, what do you sense is God's strategy in overcoming this? So we should have a fairly interesting discussion and we can just pray for people as each person is talking about the church in their region in the breakout session. Uh, how many rooms do we have, Sue? Do we have seven? seven. Mm -hmm. Okay. Breakout room one. Let's start there. Who was the, the uh, speaker or the recorder? Can you? Yeah, it was me. I haven't had time to get it all together now, but we talked about with the various churches that there are elements of all the churches in all our nations that would appear. One of the needs we saw was unity. In some areas there's not that unity. One lady was very thrilled about the church that she went to, that it's vibrant and seeking the Lord and listening to the Holy Spirit. But in her own town, there were other more traditional churches that were not really um, seeking the Lord and, and they were just stuck in what they always used to do. And we saw that in a lot. There's those that are really seeking the Lord and then there are those that are just going by works and some churches were alive, some were more humanistic and there, there seems to be that divide happening and particularly with COVID, it seems to have brought that divide even more to the fore. Um, what did, was the solution to that? What, what okay, we got back to that needful prayer once again and returning to our first love of Jesus coming together in unity but then what does unity look like it, it must be putting jesus first and seeking him one of the areas they found that replacement theology was a big thing that was dividing the church and listen sheldon mentioned that one of the churches in his city had a big sign up saying god will not protect you from go covid go get vaccinated so yeah so coming back to being centralized on jesus returning to our first love is there anything else, Sheldon, that I missed? No, that's that's all good, Lynn. We covered all that we stuff. We will cover it. That's great stuff, Lynn. Sheldon, Sheldon wanted you to know, Lynn, that he's going to send you to, to that church and take down the sign. Please do. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Well, we we can... All right. Thank you, Lynn. All right. Let's go to room two. That's the great comments. Thank you. Room I got two. it scripted, and I'm not sure how well I scribed, but here it goes. Lena shared that a lot of the churches are like Pergamon, there's a lot of compromise and she saw it as coming from a, an education system under John Deary. I had never heard of him, but how he brings in the teaching that we can do it. And that's often that's in a lot of ways come into churches. And there was a blending of several. Someone else shared the faithful and those that have lost their first love and complacency and a bit of Jezebel and false teaching. 
And But then we had a persecuted church member from Turkey who shared that the church is growing where there's persecution. She cited Myanmar, Afghanistan, Iran, and even where she is, I believe, and in China and Indonesia, where people have come to them and said, look, we don't want to lose persecution because it's united us and keeping us supporting each other. And then the thought came up, there's a lot on evangelism in this particular area, but not a lot on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I don't know with my own church, I started to share a little bit, but it's on fire at the moment. It's growing. We had five conversions on Sunday. We had a graduation from transformation program and the testimonies really spoke to people. And somebody shared prophecy from a physical thing that happened to them. They were out in the bush and they lit a fire and they put it out they thought that night and the next day when they're out at sea fishing they looked back and there was a raging fire there he nearly lost his car but the wind blew and like reignited the coals but he saw that god is is reigniting the church with the holy spirit and there's a fire coming so that's as far as we got i'm not sure how well of um shared the discussion but we had prayer at the end for all the churches that's great just say what you feel like is is causing the fire causing the, the fire and the you know causing things to move forward in your church because this that's part of the solution to i think prayer is really growing in our church at the beginning of these discussions i thought oh our church is not really all that much on fire but today i was at our intercessor group and it was really good and I believe the stated goal for our church is that we'll be a house of prayer. So I believe it's happening in little stages, not as much as it could, but it's starting to fire up. Wow. That's the stated goal. Amen. We just say that your church is going to come totally on fire. And that's, that's wonderful. All right. Let's go on to room three. Actually, that was my group. And um, Alan, I don't know if you, do you want to be spokesperson for that? Yeah, I can talk through that. I'll give you a break from the microphone, Fred, if you like. Work through some of the summary points. We focused a bit on the Western church, and that was between America and, and Australia, and, and also chipped in by Singapore. Some common feelings, and also as impressed by the Lord to some of us individuals on the call, that we were somewhere between Laodicea, I don't pronounce it, and Sardis being lukewarm and or dead. Some of the reasons behind that is we have a lot of access to, to resources, whether that be, you know, scriptural knowledge-based resources, programs, quality music, credit cards, finances. So we tend not to rely on the Lord like we should. And through that, we think we're rich, but we're not actually quite lukewarm. We have, we, obviously we do some things, but we've in the Lord's eyes, we're, we're nowhere near, you know, nowhere near where we should be. So in some of the key anecdotes or, or antidotes of that really is to sit with the Lord and, you know, he's always trying to encourage us so that there is also a, probably an understanding of repentance, seeking the Lord, sitting at his feet, confession, and working not just through that, that the salvation prayer of thank you, Lord, and then I'll get eternal life, but going through that full sanctification process and work of the Holy Spirit to just constantly seek the Lord 
and the Holy Spirit as to what he wants us all to do and to bring the unity and prayer and not just that, but the other things mentioned in Luke, uh, sorry, in Acts 2, 42, which is seeking the scripture, the truth of the scripture, uh, and also fellowshipping together intimately, not just on the surface level, because our foundation is in these areas, quite foundation may not be fully on the rock. There is an antidote there, but let's be aware that we're a little bit like Isaiah 26, 18, we birth wind when we should be birthing spiritual children not just wind. We also heard from Uganda. There was a dear brother from Uganda. He said there'd been some crusades and some meetings, but focused on miracles and attention and, and maybe some over-dramatization, but not necessarily discipleship and true teaching and follow-up with that. And then that potentially with that, then the, the, the generation of some money or donations or programs and corruption rather than true follow-up in, in Christian building and church building as the Lord would instruct. So some weaknesses and issues to work through and pray for there as the Lord might guide us. And with that, I did mention Singapore briefly, but Singapore had been prophesied as an Antioch and a crossroads, but maybe they've been living on that prophecy and not doing the sending and not doing the, the actions that they should. And through that complacency has crept into Singapore. So, so I think there's a, we realize there's a lot of confession and a lot of repentance to do from all of us. So. Amen. Good discussion, Fred. I don't know if you want to add anything. No, just I just want to reemphasize. I think sitting with the Lord, which you mentioned, confession and repentance, spending more time with the Lord, and and really confession and repentance means humbling yourself before the Lord, and that's that's part of the antidote. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. All right, let's go on to room four. Spokesperson, just unmute yourself. Hello. I was what I was scribe again. So. We had a number of different churches. There was a precious sister from France who was saying just even this last Sunday, they were contemplating these questions in their church. And what would the Holy Spirit actually be saying to them? And many people came forth with words. And there was this picture of um, the Lord Jesus seeing them as many colored pieces of glass put together in a beautiful mosaic that he was building. And so that was like a positive. But on the other hand, there was this sense that it's actually very much like a Laodicean church, really quite lukewarm. And that they need really to get off the fence. There were some who were really going for the Lord, but the majority were observers. And the strategic way forward would be to really um, see a release of prayer and encouraging loving and welcoming and nurturing, nourishing the people as they can. And then there was a lady who's from the Toronto Blessing Church, and she likened that to the Church of Ephesus. And they really needed to go back to their first love in the Catch the Fire, that there was need to go back to just the simplicity to let God do what he wanted to do, like he did in the first place. And sadly, too often routine stifled the growth. But that he, the Lord had sent a couple of prophetic people in who were really ministering in a loving and wise way to some of the leaders. And some of the growth that was happening was because they got a school of ministry with lots of young people on fire for God and they're coming and asking lots of questions and there really is an igniting that's going on so that was encouraging wow. then um, I spoke about Canberra and I had to go to a very small African church that really is on fire and I'm so grateful and we've been going through all of this preaching and teaching about the state of the heart and praying for our city 
But then there are many other churches, traditional, loving people. I love them, but they just seem to be stuck. And there needs to be such a baptism of fire of the Holy Spirit. And that the jewels who are within them that come out every now and then to be part of like reading the Bible altogether, that God would forge a really true unity by the Spirit not around an event there's yeah. a lot of compromise there's a lot of need like has been said for for repentance there's a lot of idolatry it's a capital city there's really a jezebelic spirit over it sadly we've got the porn capital there so there's really a big challenge and there's a very high suicide rate for children and when we look in the Faratara church the tragedy was when the jezebelic spirit was not repented of but was tolerated there was death in the children and that's one of the big cries that this would be broken through. The real need is for deep intercession, deep calling to deep and crying out for the harvest and true discipleship in the word. And I agree in what Alan was saying with the Acts 2.42. That's one of the foundations that the Lord gave us when we came into the house of prayer to restore that pattern. Then a sister from Israel spoke about the congregation there, that there were like all seven types in the congregation, some with great zeal, some coming out of new age, the Jezebelic thing, the mixture with yoga, astrology, and seriously needed to come into deeper prayer, listening from God, walking with him, that he would reveal and bring to the light some of these strongholds of the past so yeah. that people could walk in fullness and actually go through the sanctification process and then yeah. our brother from new zealand we're, we're a little bit stressed for time so okay. but, you, but you, you brought up great points need to get off the fence. way forward increased prayer and encouragement speaking life into people routine often stifles the growth all those things are so vitally important yes thank you so much okay room five Yes, we had a good group over over the different countries. In the USA, we had a couple of Californians representative, including myself, and we thought there was more of a loss of the first love and a lukewarmness in the United States, and because of the comfortableness of the USA. And then we had an Australian representative. She also thought it was a return to the first love was the issue, and the her strategy would to get, was to get on our knees to pray and corporate prayer and unity and love. We had a German representative and thought it was Syratira, the corrupt church. And her strategy would be the fire to fall in the presence and a Tonga representative. Uh, and I heard a lot of this throughout, a lot of program you know, or emphasis instead of the presence and, of God. And so her strategy was prayer and worship. And then one at the end, I liked uh, what was said about a strategy of closer fellowship, which brings a lot of revelation and intimacy and brings out people's repentance, yeah. points that we depended on, which I thought was good. Amen. Amen. That's great. Thank you so much, Dahlia. Lost of first love and lukewarmness, corporate prayer and unity and love are the solution. You're saying programs instead of the presence of God. Yep. Amen. Okay, let's go on to room six. You want to unmute yourself, room six? That may be our room. I really don't know. And I don't even know who's speaking for us. Bob, you're speaking for us. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Are we room six? Yes, oh. Lena. Yes, you are. Okay. 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 It's very evident that 
we, 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 as our discussion went, where's the church in your region? There's a lukewarmness. It's just, it's very evident. Two, we were talking about Israel and where Israel is today. And what I heard from Carolyn, that she sees the church is being awakened today because it sees the urgency where they are. And that was encouragement to me, total encouragement to me. Also that we need to recognize, I think from my perspective, if the Holy Spirit is not what's guiding and directing what's going on in the baseline truths of what we're about, we're losing what the, 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 from the book of John, we're losing the intention of what the Holy Spirit's purpose and plan was for our lives as Christ left. And I think that if God is going to use a strategy to overcome the obstacles, it's going to have to be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit with people believing in, in who they are in Christ and their identity, which will then determine the destiny. And I think this is crucial to the strategy of the church down the road. So that's my quick scenario of what I heard. So empowerment of the Holy Spirit and people recognizing their identity and, and Amen. it's great. Thank you so much, Bob. Let's go on last but not least room seven. That's the Latinos. Cynthia. Yes, Anna. I'm here. Okay. 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 Yes. okay. We as Latin American church, we recognize the privilege that we are living in a, not a persecuted church. So, we are living in a, you know, where we can preach the gospel, but that comfort also lead us to, to live, uh, like not, not really uh, trying to, to do the best of our efforts and losing our, as all of us agree uh, about losing our first love. And the Lord is calling us to keep in prayer for a revival, spiritual revival, corporate prayer, preaching the gospel, making this discipleship, and returning to the corporate corporative prayer. Also, the small churches during the, where the initial Christian churches began, small churches, small groups, and, and make, making disciples. In the second, and the second, we, we have different ideas where we said that we, we can be like the Sardis and the Smyrna, Sardis uh, because we need to improve the good things that the Sardis church has had and the Smyrna that we love with. The Smyrna, we forgot our first love, the, the lack of unity as churches, the lack of unity. The Latin American church is, is suffering about, of, of unity. And we also, some, some of the group also think that we are look like the, that we have to look more to Christ. And also that we have to leave the church activities and looking more for the Lord, looking, seeking more the Lord. The, the majority of the group consider that we, we are like the Ephesus also because we, we have forgotten the Great Commission, the love for the souls and the unity. We also are tolerating the false prophets and of, of false doctrines. The message of the Ephesus churches of, of, of living our first church is one of the, living our first love is the prime thing, the, prime, the, the principal idea that we have talking about. So we, we agree that we need more unity, more corporate prayer, and we have to go back to I don't know how, I don't have a Bible, an English Bible now, but going back to Second Chronicles 7, 14, to return to, our, to from 
from our bad uh, behaviors and repent. And yeah. we really, we were really blessed with this. Thank you very much. Amen. That's very, very comprehensive. Excellent stuff. Small groups of corporate prayer. Yes. Okay. Wow. Sue, there's a lot of stuff. I, yeah. I wrote a lot of things from people, but it seems like more, what it comes down to really is more of God, humility, repentance, seeking the Lord and making a conscious effort to unite together in unity. Yeah. That's actually where unity is, is in the corporate prayer expression. When the Holy Spirit comes and people sink into the Holy Spirit, there's He's, it's there's unity, yeah, and then yeah. everything else flows from that. Amen. I I thought I would just put up a couple of thoughts that I've had in looking into this, and my prayer for all of us is that we take the message of the seven churches. Jesus, in His wisdom, was is giving us a pattern and his understanding of the way we're going to go. <laughs> we're, we all fall short of the glory. There is no pointing finger in any of this. It's only, it, it's, I hope it's bread for us to eat that will help keep us strong in the days ahead and help us find, uh, see the, foot, the things that can trip us up and correct course so that we can stay in the fullness and move towards that fullness of the Gentile church that is promised in uh, Romans 11, 25. One of the things is that why every, every one of these things, every, every church could be set into place, into good order, if the foundation is in prayer, in corporate prayer, to be a house of prayer for all nations. None of this would happen. I, can, I, I believe the word that, that Jesus said in Revelation, and I believe that he has it there for us to correct course and keep us focused. And how do we do that? But he who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, and that is best done not only on our, in our own personal prayer time, but sharing corporately sharpens us and helps us move forward. And that's, that's why this Global Watch is we're saying iron is going to sharpen iron as we go forward and keep us into this, get us into that stream that Jesus wants us in to bring into that fullness of the Gentile church. Thank you all for being with us tonight. And I just thought I'd put up there one of the quotes from Cheryl Sachs that's in the book. It says, having a praying church is not just a good idea. It is the foundation from which everything flows. Amen. So be empowered, be encouraged, and God, I, I believe God is going to give strategy to every one of us as we pursue this. He's going to give us strategy to work with our own congregations and work with other congregations in influencing and bringing back that foundation stone of corporate prayer. Amen. It's going to, it's going to happen. Amen. Because it's God. Do you, do you have any announcements before we the next week we'll get into some meat on ways to walk this out okay great awesome cynthia ortiz would you like to unmute yourself and close us off okay thank you father god thank you for this uh, meeting and thank you for all the all the things that you All these learnings or teachings 
Thank you, God. Uh, please send waves of uh, awakening in your church in all nations. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Everybody.